Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Just to introduce it, we, we thought we would do a little something. Can you guys just stand with me for a moment? And, and David is just going to introduce our code. Uh, David, just go ahead and bless us with, with what you're going to do right there. Yeah, we just figured that we just figured that we just march. And, and you know, we just be ready, and, and God is just going to speak through women. That, that's, that's army enough. That's military enough. And um, we know that God is going um, to speak to us in such a powerful way. Hey, look at the person next to you and say, are you ready to fight? Are you ready to battle? Are you ready for war? Ready? Look at them and say, open your heart. Oh, you guys failed. Open your heart, and let's hear from God. All right, left, say right, say left, right, left, left, right, amen, amen, give God some praise, deserves it, thank you brother, you may be seated, you may be seated, if you have your book, your code book, we are on number six, go ahead and take it out, we make war, hopefully you guys are enjoying this book and you guys are taking notes for every single code. I'm not the best note taker, but just like you, if you're not a good note taker, I am trying with you. How many of you are trying with me? All right, there you go. You guys got through school by the grace of God, huh? <laughs> okay. Um, we're going to get into the word of God. And um, one thing before we get into God's word, um, we have a men's gathering, all the men of all ages. Check this out. On the 22nd of this month, um, that's on a Tuesday, we're going to be meeting here. But I'm not going to use the word meeting. I'm going to use the word gathering. We're just going to have a good hangout, a good time together. We're just going to talk and hang out and war together. So if you are a man and you've been waiting to just to get together with some other men and, and just get dirty with us and talk with us, some grimy men's stuff, I need to learn how to build things and, and, and level frames on walls. You've heard that before in preachings. But... Uh, just be here on the 22nd. I need your wisdom as well. Praise God. Praise. So the 22nd, all men are invited for our men's gathering. Can you give God some? Finally, it's about time. Hallelujah for that one. Right? Praise God. Hey, let's make war. Go ahead. Let's get into the word of God. And um, if you're taking notes, go ahead and open up to that page or take out your um, notebook there. I'm not sure. Do we have any extra notebooks just in case someone has? Does anyone need a code booklet and you would want one today with all our codes? Anyone in here? There's one here, one in the back, one in the corner. So about three people, three people. We're good, we're good. So praise the Lord. Hey, I want to share this quote with you guys from Charles Stanley, someone who's been a pillar here in our country as a pastor and the Christian, as a Christian leader. L listen to this quote. It's going to come up on the screen. Or let's read it together. It says, a Christian has no right being in a fight unless it's a spiritual fight. Isn't that crazy? And it's so true. A Christian has no right being in a fight unless it's a spiritual fight. You know, in Scripture, Paul writes numerous times that we are in war. That we are in a war. Numerous times he, he writes it. And it's not one that is fought in flesh and in blood, but it's against rulers, against authorities, against powers, forces of evil in heavenly realms. 
It's all over scripture and we see it. It's evident. It's there. It even tells us in Ephesians 6, it tells us that because of this, listen to this, guys. Ephesians 6 says that we are to put on the whole armor of God. How many of you have read that before, have seen that before, heard someone speak about this stuff before? Meaning that, that we must be dressed and equipped daily. You should write that down in your notes. I'm called to be dressed and I'm called to be equipped daily for this warfare against rulers, authorities, powers, and forces of evil in heavenly realms. It shows us that our lives in Christ is not passive, but, but that our life in Christ, it's aggressive. How many of you can say aggressive? aggressive. Like that word. Meaning, meaning this, that we prepare and we train, we respond, we defend, we guard and attack. We don't just stay guarded the whole time. We also attack when called upon. We, we are aware. We discern. We are discerning. And, and I wrote this down, and I mean this, that we don't live making enemies on earth, but we live fighting enemies in realms that are spiritual. We make war. We fight enemies in realms that are spiritual. We are to love people and win people, not fight with people and argue with people. All of this to know that there is a battle in a realm that is spiritual. And because of this spiritual realm, listen closely, it affects our physical reality. Because there is a spiritual reality of warfare going on. That there are really angels and demons, a heaven and a hell, a Lucifer, Satan. And there is a God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That, that there is a spiritual realm that it affects the physical reality that we live in today. How many of you have seen warfare in the physical because it was brought forth by what's going on in the spiritual? So what happens because of this? Well, we have people who are hurting. I will not ask you if you're hurting today, raise your hand. I won't do that. But we have people who are struggling. We got people who are addicted, who are lost, bitter, ashamed, confused. We got governments and earthly powers that are evil that are prideful with agendas to promote their own self-interest and desires. All of this because there's a spiritual realm that is real, and we must know that today. So, you know, I, I asked this question after kind of going through this introduction. So, so why are people the way they are, and why is the world the way it is? Well, we've answered that. It's because there is an unseen world that is more real than this visible world and it's filled with powers to destroy the image of God in all of his creation. That's what the enemy, and that's what darkness wants to do. It wants to destroy the image of the Lord in all of his creation. God created so that he could be seen even through his creation. And the enemy comes in and pollutes and destroys his creation so that it erases or it takes away the image of God so that people could be drawn and believe in God. Can, is there anyone here today with us? Okay, amen. Keep preaching. You're saying something right. Make sure I know that I'm on the right page here. I want to share a picture in the message, Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 10, 11, 12. Listen to this. And it says, that wraps it up. God is strong. Man. And he wants you strong. So, so take everything that the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of best materials, and, and put them to use so that you will be able to stand up to everything that the devil throws your way. 
This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all of his angels. Love the way it puts it there. I mean, just, just a couple of days ago, we were, many of us jumped on the bandwagon, didn't we? Go Cubs, go. Go Cubs. I know the song already by memory. My son knows it by memory. Go Cubs, go. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? Cubs are going to win today. I'm not even from Chicago. Okay? I've been there a number of, I mean, I know, I don't even, I've been there maybe five times in my life. I don't know, but, but I know the song. I fell in love with the players, and I stayed up late watching the games, and I kind of fell into the Cubby rally, and I was going for them. Any Cleveland fans in here? That would be so odd. All right. Sorry. But even that, a game of such, it's just an athletic contest that walks away and we'll forget about it. We've already, most of us already forgot about that. I, I'm trying to remember who won the last year's um, Super Bowl. Who was it? Oh, Manning, right? The Broncos. Denver, yeah, the Broncos. But, but the truth is, then we'll have a new winner this year. Then we'll get a new World Series champion next year, maybe. But, but what we're talking about here, it's a fight, it's a battle, it's a war that the ramifications of it are of eternity. It's, it's, it's something that's bigger, something that's, that's greater. It's a, it's, it's a fight to finish. Everyone say a fight to finish. And to finish against a warfare against the devil, against angels. And, and I want to make sure that as I introduce this, you know this new life, that, that we're not playing blind to this. I mean this sixth code here, we make war. I really mean this. I don't want to be like, well, let's make it, let's be bubbly, and let's like make everyone feel good. No, there's a spiritual warfare going on. It is real. There are people right now, every second, dying and going to hell, dying and going to hell, dying and going to hell, dying and going to hell. Every single second, someone is going to hell, and we need to wake up and go to war. And we need to battle. We're just going to be like, well, God loves you. Yes, he does. But just get in there. Get dirty. Get strong with that. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4 says this. We are human, but we don't wage as war as humans do. But we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Come on, man. Praise God. We make war. So this whole, this whole code here for we make war, the number six, it's a, it's a powerful one because really I could get into, I could do a study of hell and a demonology and angels and all that. But, but that's not what this code is about. And I want to make sure you understand this. What we make war, one of our values, our code here for We Make War is that part of this is as a, as a nest and as a unit, as a, as a family, we do this stuff together. We battle together. When Tito, when Claudia, when one of us is on a struggle or is on a hiatus, we don't just wave at them and say, kind of sucks that you cut off the boat. Hope you enjoy the land. And No, no. We get off the boat and we go grab them and we pray with them. And we fast with them, and we cry with them, and we hear them. And we lift up their arms if their arms are weak and they're falling. And we lift them up if their knees are buckling and their feet are weary. That's what it means about we make war, let's battle together. What does that mean? That we actually care for other people and making sure that they know the truth of God's word and that they know Christ. Why? Why? Because there's a spiritual warfare and we got to win and we got to be there for others and we got to be there for each other. Let's battle together. You know, I was going to share this in when, when, and when we did we leave the nest, but something blessed me uh, about a month, a month and a half ago. My, my father had a catheterization done, a procedure done, and he doesn't know if I'm going to do this today. But I went to go visit him, 
And I was there with him before they took him into the, to the um, procedure. And um, he had a nurse, and the nurse um, was on the heavier side, and, and, and she was speaking, and she opened up to, to us about how she wants to lose weight, and she was going to do an operation, and so on and so forth. And, and we were just listening to her as she opened up her heart. And my father was in his hospital bed. He was just moments from being um, rolled into the operation to put a catheterization in his arteries and, and kind of take out the clogging that, that was going on there. But right there, he, he looked at this woman, as she, a young lady, as she was sharing her heart and as she was sharing um, that on that Thursday she was going to do this operation, she was a little bit nervous. And my dad looked at her. He's in the hospital bed. He's the patient. And he looked at her and he said, come here, come walk to me. And, and I'm like, I'm sitting down, I'm like, what the heck is he doing? And he said, come here, let me walk to you. Give me your hand, I want to hold your hand. So she, I, could, I saw her body movement, she was a little weirded out about it too. She comes up to him, she gives him her hand. And out of nowhere, he grabs her hand and he says this. And, and I'm going to put the picture up for you, look at this. He, he just grabs her hand and he says, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you because I, I see that you're nervous about this and we just want to pray that the operation on you goes well so I'm there and I say well let me be spiritual and let me close my eyes and pray with my father but out of nowhere I said no way I'm not going to miss this opportunity so I took out my phone and I took a picture of it because it blessed my heart and I'm going to keep this picture forever you see he does things in life that he doesn't understand that preach to me more than anyone's words could ever preach to me that right there blessed me and I took a picture of it, and I, and I asked the question. I said, who's the patient? Come on, who's the patient? Who's the one that really needs healing? Who's the one that's really sick there? Who's the one that really needs a touch there? And that blessed me because though a believer was sick and though a believer was moments from operation, we saw a sensitivity in which a believer could see the sickness of an unbeliever and say, I know I'm about to go into an operation, but even in the hospital bed, I'm willing to, to battle for you, and I'm willing to make war. Can we pray about this? That's powerful. That's powerful. Amen. And that should be us. That's who we're called to be. That's, that's our everyday life, making war and battling with and for others. I want to share something. And a brother says, man, he texts me. He's like, this passage is so powerful for we make war for the church. I really feel it's our church. And I read it and I spent weeks reading it and it really did bless my heart. And I want to share with you. It's a crucial time. If you have your Bibles for Second Chronicles 20, if you could just turn there, Second Chronicles chapter 20. As we read through these scriptures, it's a crucial time for the people of Judah. It's a crucial time for King Jehoshaphat. As a matter of fact, it's so crucial that they're at, they are in the brink of war. They're about to go to war. And, and they're about to go to war not just with one nation, but listen to this. They're about to go to war with surrounding nations, with many people, many people groups around them. And when we read this passage, I, I, I hope you open up your heart, open up your ears. There's a lot that we could learn from, from 2 Chronicles chapter twenty. As King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah are about to go to war with surrounding nations and they call out to God, they go to the house of God and they begin to cry out to God and it begins to be recorded of what was being said. Go to verse 9 with me for a moment. We'll read, stop, read, stop. 
<clears throat> it says in verse 9, it says, So they said, whenever we are faced here, the leaders and the people of Judah, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we could come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored and we could cry out to save, for you to save us. And you will hear us and you will rescue us. Verse 9. One translation says it this way. When the worst happens, whether war or flood or disease or famine, and we take our place before this temple, look at this. We know that you are personally present in this place. And pray out, and pray out our pain and our trouble. And we know that you will listen and that you will give victory. One translation says, we stand in your presence before your house. We stand in your presence. The other one says, we know that you are personally present here. There is a presence in the midst of our trouble. Does everyone see that? I bolded this and write this down because I think this is going to strike a nerve for some of you guys. Here it is. It's going to really, really touch home. Ready? This is the importance of understanding that living in his presence is crucial rather than running from his presence. Now, that when calamity and when war and when famine and when plague, when all these things attack, notice what the, the, the children of God, the people of Judah, what King Jehoshaphat do. Lord, we know that your presence is before us. We know that you are personally present. And that's the importance of, of, of living in his presence rather than, oh, shoot, things are bad. I'm going to run away from God's presence. We all know people that have run away from God's presence at some point or another. Maybe it's at a point of where it was your worst season, your worst time frame, the, 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 the moment where, man, you just needed a miracle. And guess what? You felt like it got delayed, so what'd you do? You just ran away from God's presence. The importance of not running away, but running to, is what this part is talking about here. That, Lord, whatever comes to hinder me, I come and stand in your presence where you are honored, and we believe that you will hear us, I'm reading the verse, and that you will give us victory, that you will rescue us, that you will rescue us. What a powerful verse this is because I, I know this for myself. I'm not going to point any fingers at nobody in this place. This is me speaking of me, myself, and I. Here it is. Ready? I know what it is. I know what it is to struggle, to ache, to be going through something, a war in my own soul, spirit. And the first thing that my flesh does is I run away from God. I run into a cave. And the last thing I do is call out on someone for help. The last thing I do is go into his presence. But the first thing I do is I harden my heart and I drift away from God. What am I thinking instead of drifting right back into the Lord? I'm sure there are some of you in here that could say, I'm there right now. Or, I was just there yesterday. Or, I've done that before. I, I've, I've seen myself drifting away rather than going to. And, and guys, maybe it's not a physical war like Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah, but maybe your war is internal. Maybe your war is emotional. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe there's a serious battle, a serious struggle. But, but, but the outcome of those things are determined by the action taken in the midst of those things, man. 
the outcome of whatever warfare you've entered into, the outcome, the re- or, or in other words, the result, the result is determined, is determined by what actions you take while you're in it. Some people get on their feet and run away, but some people get on their knees and come before. The, oh, man, man. But, but you'll get it. So I'm going to ask you a question that I'm going to continue to go to throughout this message. Here it is. Ready? Number one, where do you stand? Where do you stand during the greatest battles in your life? You can answer that right now to yourself if you want. Where do you stand? Where do you stand during the great battles in your life? Can you answer that? Number two, who do you stand by during the great battles in your life? Two different questions. Where do you stand and who do you stand with or who do you stand by? Because I love what the people of God do in this part. We know that you are personally present in this place. We, we stand in your presence where you rescue us. Let, let's keep reading because I could just go off on, on, on that verse. But verse 12 says, we're in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. It says, oh, our God, would, won't you stop them? Look at this, guys. We are powerless. Come on, there should be an amen there. All right, five weak people in this church today. We are powerless against the mighty army that is about to attack us. How many of you just feel powerless at times? Shoot, most of the times. All right. We're powerless against this mighty army. But we do not know what to do. Ever felt like that? But, but, but who, do you, who do you stand by and where do you stand at? Because look at the next part. There's a comma. Let's read it together. But we are looking to you for help. <laughs> Thank you. Lord, we are powerless. This is a mighty army. They're about to attack us. We don't know what to do. Come on. It's this internal fight, this, 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 this addiction, this struggle, this pain, this hurt, this feeling, this thing. It it's too much. I'm powerless. It's attack. I don't, don't know what to do. But there's a common, there's a but, and I love this. But we are looking to you for help. Well, where else are you going to go, eh? Well, we're looking to you for help. And this, this code, we make war. Here it is. Here it is, guys. That we are weak, but you are strong. There's no running away from that. I'm not going to be up here and boast of how strong I am because I promise you that if we do an inventory, I might just win the weakest person in this church. So I'm not going to even get into that kind of stuff. I'm weak just like you're weak. But we all stand before the presence of the one who is strong. And that's what this scripture is teaching us. So... So when he goes and he says, Lord, are you not going to stop them? I am powerless. I am weak. They are mighty. I don't know what to do. So here it is. We're looking for you to help. Where do you look for help in the time of weakness? Hey, there is a war going on deep down in your family. There is a war going on deep down in your soul. There is a war going on deep down in your children's life. But here is the question. Where are you going in the midst of that warfare? Who do you stand before and who do you stand with? That's going to determine the results of where you get to. But I want to get over there, right? Not standing around those kind of people. Because I know what it is. There are some men that when marriages are going wrong, come on, friend, let's go to the strip club. Your marriage is not going to get better and get over there if when you're having a bad time with your fiance.
and with your wife or with whatever it is that's going on, you go and get drunk and you go to the club or you go and you see some naked women. No, get back into the presence of God and you'll see how things get better. Who do you stand by and who do you stand with and where do you stand in the time of battle? So what do they say? We look for your help. We look for your help in the time of weakness. The psalmist bullseye hit it on the head in Psalm 121, 1, 2, and 3. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Psalm 121. He got it. He understood it. Warfare after warfare. His old king even tried to kill him, best friend's father. He knows what it means to be in war. He knows what it means to be attacked. He knows what it means that everywhere he goes, there's a hitman after him. He knows what it means to sin. He knows what it means to take another man's woman and take her in and commit adultery and have a children with her, child, child with her, then murder her husband. He knows what it means to go through some war. He knows what it means to go through some mistakes. And in the midst of his life, when he's finally got it together, he says, I lift up my eyes to the hills because there is where my help comes from. It comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let my foot be moved and he will not slumber. He understood it. He got it. Jehoshaphat and his people like, shoot, we're about to die. There are armies surrounding us and we're weak and we don't know what to do. So, so all we know is we're going to come before the presence of God because that's where our help is found. Man, I feel something today. Verse 14 says, 2 Chronicles 20, 14. I've been learning to pause and make sure I go back to the scripture. 2 Chronicles 20, 14 says, the spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there, and his name was Jehazel. And he said, listen, all you people of Judah. You know, we always talk about Jehoshaphat, the people of Judah, but we need some Jehazels in the church. Some, who is he? I don't know. Just, his name was just mentioned. Oh, it was Jehazel. I have, no, I have no idea who this man is. I don't know how many kids he had. I don't know what he did for a living. I just know he was part of the, part of the mess that was going on. And God, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. We need some men like this, some women like this, some people like this in our nest. So he stands up in the crowd and he says, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Hey, you know the Spirit of the Lord came upon you when you say this, ready? Listen, King Jehoshaphat. Better be very careful when you tell a king to listen. This is what the Lord says. Do, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by the mighty army. I love this. I love this. For the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. Right then and there, you know, Jehoshaphat was like, and who are you, bro? Who's this guy? He probably was like, Shit, who's that? People were like, who's this? You know how that is. Tomorrow you march out against them and, and you will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz and at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeroel. Verse 17, 2 Chronicles 20, but you will not even need to fight. Watch this. Take your positions. Everyone say take position. Then stand still. Say stand still. And watch the Lord's victory. Say watch the Lord's victory. Oh, man. 
He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. You know, when you repeat things, you really wanted to hit that home. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Can I, can I make some points? We make war. Say that. Yeah, we make war, but I love this. In a war that is not even ours. Come on, man. We make war in a war that is not even ours. And it's the same thing in your personal war. Can, can I ask every single person here a very sensitive, but yet a very serious question? Why do you make your war just your war? When is it going to get to the point where you finally invite someone to your war? Because this is the truth. You can be in war and be isolated. Or you can be in war and have company. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to fight back in the days, sorry. I used to like to have company with me. I always felt weird when I was alone. I'm going to stop for a moment. I like to do this on Sundays. Look around. Just, just right there where you're sitting. Just, just stare at some people. Look at some people, huh? Just go ahead and do that. Just go ahead. Just look around. It's kind of awkward, kind of weird. Singles. But you probably just gazed at someone that needs you in their war. That just was waiting for you when you couldn't come and just stand next to me already. In a war that wasn't even meant for you to fight. It might have just been meant for you to position yourself. I'll get into that in a second, but, but really, come on. Who accompanies you? Invite someone into your war. Invite the Lord in your war. Because all we can do here, according to the scripture, is, is number one, position ourselves. Well, what in the world is position ourselves? Because you can't fight that war. So you know what you do? Just position yourself. Well, what does that look like? Here it is. Ready? This is how you fight. Your weapons are different. You can't really fight this war. So how do I fight? How do I do this? Easy. Stay in your position. Well, what's my position? Maybe God is calling you to go through a real, real season of prayer, huh? Maybe it's through a real season of fasting. Maybe it's just some time in worship. Maybe your position that you are to take is just, hey, come on, enter a moment of praise for a little while. Maybe that's your season. Maybe you just need to get in position. Well, I'm trying to fight. And God says, right, but you haven't gotten on your knees once. And you, you haven't opened up the word once. And you haven't praised me once. And you haven't worshipped me once. So how are you really fighting? Well, it's in my own strength then. Yes, it is. Finally, you came up with the answer. Who told you you were supposed to fight that on your own? Who told you you were supposed to go take your position, start praying and start fasting and start worshiping and start giving praise? How about this one? Ready? Start showing empathy for someone else. Hear them and love on them and be there with them and hang out with them and have dinner with them and take them out for lunch and 
and cook a breakfast and invite them over. Make someone that is struggling part of your family, huh? Do something for someone. Don't just do something for yourself while you're dying and you're trying to grasp breath because you're drowning under your own war. Invite someone into your war and get on your knees and say, Lord, I don't know where else to go. This is overwhelming. It's attacking me and it's stronger than I am. So I just got to come to you for help. So Lord, number one, I invite you to accompany me in this war. I stand before your presence and put the right people around me that could just share in this moment with me. Because they might not have the answer. Listen, listen. They may not have the answer, but darn it, they have the ear to listen to your problems. And sometimes that's all I need. I don't need for you to give me any advice. Just be quiet and let me tell you what I'm going through. Come on. I just need to tell someone that I'm hurting. I just need to tell someone that I'm in pain. But when all we do is talk and we don't listen, we're skipping out on blessing someone's life. Just sit there and hear someone and let them cry on you. You're not meant to go to war by yourself. Let's battle. Well, what? By yourself? No, let's battle together. Together. Position yourselves. And, and then he says, stand still. Well, I love the word stand still. The phrase stand still, better said. Because the phrase stand still means this. When you say stand still to these kind of people in this kind of moment, you know what you're really telling them? Trust God. Stand still, that phrase is the very act of trust. You know what that phrase, stand still, means? I looked it up, and it means this, endure, withstand, continue. I love that one. Continue. Continue to what? I'm being attacked, right? Just continue to be faithful. Continue to withstand, continue to fight, continue to endure. Keep doing what you're doing and trust that the Lord takes you through it. Stand still. Position yourself, stand still, trust. Number three, watch, or one translation says, see the Lord's victory, or watch the Lord's victory, the Lord's victory. What do I watch for? What do I see? The Lord, the Lord. This is his battle. This is his. He'll do it. Just you do your part. He's going to do it. The Lord never fails on one of his own. It may feel like he's not listening. It may feel like he's not present. It may feel like he's unaware, but I want you all to know this today even if you don't believe this for yourself, that the Lord is there. He is present. But are you present in his presence? Are you present in his presence? Because he is present before you. I've preached that already before, so I won't get into that, but you, you know what I'm talking about. Guys, we make war and we do it together. How many of you could say Amen. Hey, go to verse 18 with me. Huh? There's some more stuff to learn here. Verse 18 says, Then King Jehoshaphat bowed, bowed low with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, what they do? What did they do? They did the same. King Jehoshaphat dropped his face to the ground. And what did all the people do? What did all the people do? It got on the ground too. If you consider yourself a brother of mine, can, can, like a, a, a brother of mine, come up here, come up here, come up here. I, I need, I need some brothers to come up here. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Thank you. I have three brothers in this church. All I need. <laughs> Stop. I should have said sisters too. I messed up, man. <laughs> Girls, forgive me. I, I should have never. 
This is nothing. We're not that kind of church. We love the ladies and they have an anointing. You ladies have an anointing and a gifting too, so don't misinterpret this moment, what God is doing here. But I love that King Jehoshaphat. I love what he does here. Shoot. I'm really struggling. This, this, this sucks. This battle is really hard. I don't know how we're going to do this, man. But I know what I'm going to do. And he comes before the presence of the Lord. But what I love about it is You know, in this position right here, none of these men could give me any kind of advice. In this position right here, none of you guys could really just do anything for me right now. But there are moments in our lives when all we need together is to come before the Lord's presence. And together, together, brother to my right, brother to my left, you might not know my struggle, you might not know my pain, you might not know my war, but all I need you is to come with me before the presence of God. And can you just pray with me? Can you just believe where I don't believe? Can you just have hope where I'm hopeless? Listen, I'm hurting. Can you hurt with me for a little while? Little, I'm crying. Can you just cry with me for a little while? Listen, I know you don't know what I'm going through. I know you might not have the answers. But can you come with me before God's presence and just do what I have to do so that together we could just battle this. Together we can make war. And I know, man, that where there are two or more are gathered, that there the spirit of the Lord is. Amen. Come on, someone. Come on. Come on. We make war. We make war. Well, what does we make war mean? It means this. We battle together. We don't do this. God, you're such an idiot. You're never going to get it. He's no longer part of our fold. <laughs> Shame on us, man. No, you're not part of our fold. You're an idiot. We don't do that. Too many people already do that. You know who does that? Many of our families already do that. You're an idiot, man. Sit down. Sit down. You're never going to get it. Oh, my God, again? Many of our friends do that. But let's not do what everyone else does. Let's make war. I really hope that what I'm saying here is like, wow, that was a good message. Good job, man. You're really killing it on number six. I really hope you can say, you know, that really ministered to me. I'm going to pray to God and I want him to make me that kind of person. That I make war and I battle together with other people. Amen. Good job, gentlemen. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. They did a great job making war with me today. Praise God. So it says here, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same. They worshiped the Lord. I love how they were in it together. The king is not alone. He bows his head, and all the people do the same thing. You know, I wrote this down, and I really mean this. If you're taking notes, I mean, it's corny, but it's funny. Ready? Here it is. It's good, too. It says, come on, I wrote this. War calls out a worship out of us. So we come up with these little sayings like war, worship. 
But the truth is war cries out a worship and it should cry out a worship. Look at verse 19 and 20. It says this, and the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord. Verse 19, same chapter 20, second, second, second Chronicles, same book, verse by verse. Here we go. And the God of Israel, with a very loud shout, early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And on the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Everyone say this word next. Believe in the Lord. Believe in the Lord, your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Say stand firm. That's good, man. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. I wrote this down and I mean this. That your faith in war will enable you to stand firm. Did you hear that? Your faith in war enables you to stand firm. People crumble because of lack of faith. But your faith in war will help you stand firm. Let's keep reading 21 through 24. I'm just going to read right through it. Follow with me. Verses 21 through 24. It says, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army singing to the Lord and pray. Look at how their whole attitude just changed. (laughs) I'm going to tell you why I think their whole attitude changed. Because the king got on the floor and everyone joined him. So he's like, man, I'm not alone. That's all I need. I need someone just to believe with me because I don't have any belief in myself right now. And a faith and a vision rised up in him. So he began to appoint people and singers to praise him. And, and this is what they began to sing. Who in, the bit, who in the midst of war, who before war sings this? Give thanks to the Lord. He is faithful. His love endures forever. It's crazy. Bombs are going off. Boof. Give thanks to the Lord. His faith His faithful love endures forever. Verse 22, at that very moment, they began to sing and give praise. And the Lord caused the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. And the armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir. And they killed every one of them. And after they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. 24, so when the army of Judah arrived... At the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground. As far as they could see, not a single one of the enemy had escaped. I want you to know something. I want you to know something. Something that you know very well if you've ever competed in some sort of competition or athletic or sport. Or in anything else that you've ever done that that was considered competition. What I want you to know is this. That there is a greater celebration in our victory when celebrated with others and not alone. You know what I love about what happened in the World Series, this last World Series? That when they win, have you noticed that no one just stands and says, I did it. But what caught my eye was they all ran to the mound. And each one with individual roles I mean catchers who's never who've never even played in one game but they're bullpen catchers I don't know if you don't know anything about this I'll be back in five minutes give me a second but bullpen catchers that all they do is catch for pitchers that are about to pitch they don't even touch the field they came running because they're part of the team they're important they're part of the grind and they come running to the field and pitchers that have never pitched and coaches that we've never even seen before and players who've never touched the field and then your popular ones come in and I love what they do next 
Every individual player with every individual role, they all come to the center. And have you noticed what happens? They be, uh, this example was they became one big ball of blue. They become one big, one big organism for a moment. And they, all you see is this in the middle of the TV. So just, this is a big ball jumping. And it's every member celebrating together as one. Because together they've endured the tears and the pain of a season. Together they've gotten through the fight. You know what many have gotten, gone through? Injuries and endured through injuries. But you know what else happens during a long season? Oh, there are family issues that those men in hotel rooms and in locker rooms have discussed. And then they've endured emotional and family things and, and then things on the field. So when they won, there was something about winning together and celebrating together which made it even richer, right? I mean, I see Olympic Games and when it's a one-on-one -on -one competition, they win, it's like, yeah. But when it's a team together, I mean, greater victories, greater celebrations, I believe this, they're done together. And I love that that's what we see in this passage. And I want you to know that don't make yourself be alone. We battle together. We make war. In our church here, we believe in that. So I'll read the rest of this just to get to the end. It says, King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather all the plunder and they found so much amounts of equipment and clothing and valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much, everyone say blessing. blessing. Yeah, there was so much plunder, blessing, that it took them three days to collect it all. And on the fourth day, they gathered in the valley of blessing. I love that valleys can be called blessings too. Because if you know anything about valleys, that's where robberies are done. If you know anything about valleys, that's where animals come out and they kill people that travel. You travel through valleys, but when you travel through valleys, you better be very cautious because in the cracks of the caves, guess who's in there? There are thieves and robbers ready to rob you and kill you and there are wild animals ready to devour you. But I love that for this moment, this valley wasn't a valley of devouring or a, deva or a valley of curse. In this moment, the valley was now named the valley of blessing. I want you to know something. Together, battling together, waging war together, your valley, we could change the name of it and we could call it the valley of blessing. The valley of blessing. Look at this. It got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there and it is still called the valley of blessing today. Come on, let's change the name of your valley. Get part of this church. Plug in. Make war. Let's battle together and let's change the valley names. Let's change the name of your pain. Let's change the name of your struggle to, yes, it still may remain a valley. No valley is going to turn into a mountain. But shoot, that valley now becomes the valley of blessing. But it's still a valley. That's the valley that God called you to endure on. But together, we now call it the valley of blessing. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them, overjoyed that the Lord gave them victory. They marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps, lyres, trumpets. They proceeded the temple. And the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself fought against the enemies of Israel. The fear of God came over all of them. And Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace. For his God had given him rest on every side. So I guess I'm going to ask you another question. Here it is. Same question yet again. What's the war you are fighting? And who's your company in the war? Because we just introduced that in this church we make war and let's battle together. Exactly what us men did as we got on the ground. Here it is. Romans 9, 13 through 16. Romans 9, 
13 through 16, it says this. Love this passage. This is the, the, the foundation of this code. It's on your booklet. And it says this. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Come on, someone. Amen? Always be eager. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Verse 15. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Verse 16, live in harmony with each other. For goodness sakes, can we do that already? <laughs> live in harmony with one another. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company in the middle of the war. Don't be so proud. Because the company is just ordinary people. Don't think you know it all. I love this passage. I love how this translation says it because it teaches me that community is important. It is biblical. Community is needed. Brotherhood is needed. Don't have a community to link up to today. And you're like, well, I need a community. I need a group of a fellowship, brotherhood, sisterhood. Find one. As soon as we say amen today, go and find one. If this is not the one, you need to find one ASAP. Find a group of people that you could do Christian life with. And do it quickly. Mother Teresa, of all people, look what she said. There's nothing more common in difficult moments than knowing there's someone fighting with you. It's one of the most important things that you can do. That is why the first thing that happens to people when they let sin, or when they let shame, or when they let problems enter their lives, they begin to separate themselves from the people that are accustomed to opening up to, to pray with, to fight with, to fellowship with. A while back in a midweek service, I preached on, on the book of 1 John, chapter 1 to chapter 2. And we introduced something in our church called deep, everyone say deep, divine fellowship. And the truth is that this is what this code is about, deep divine fellowship. And this is what I end with. That we battle together, we're here for one another. And that there is a true genuineness among that, among the nest, among the brotherhood. I'm going to read 1 John 1 and 7 for you as we get ready to end. Ready? But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let me just go through this quick. We walk in the light. We reflect God's perfection. If you read the verse before in 1 John 1, 6, it talks about walking in the darkness. Well, that is that we don't walk and we don't practice truth. So if we walk in the light, then we reflect God's perfection. And what is part of this light, this perfection? What well, it includes that together we walk in His truth, which means we walk in truth of the Word of God, true, correct doctrine. And number two, we walk together in holiness. What does that mean? Moral purity. And when it says that we walk in the light, it means this as well. That our lives, that they're known. If light is hitting it, it's known. Meaning that there's nothing hiding. There's no dark moments in it because the light is in it. So that means that hidden sins are known to people in my life that they need to know my hidden sins. If there's a falsehood, there's no falsehood. There's no deception in my life because I walk in the light. If this scripture is true, then we have fellowship with each other. And the fellowship that this church is to have with one another and other believers 
It's a deep, divine, human relationship. I'm ending, so here it is. It's not carnal. It's not a self-seeking. It's not a jealous relationship. It's a deep fellowship with one another. Verse 7 says that we have fellowship with the blood of Jesus and cleanses us from all sins. It means that there is a progressive cleansing amongst us, amongst each other. In Christ, together. Everyone say, in Christ, together. There is a cleansing that happens. So if there's a sin, if there's a war, if there's a battle that you are confronting, and you find yourself lacking a deep divine fellowship, then you've probably seen you haven't been able to share whatever you're going through with someone. I tell you that the worst thing that we can do is live on in our lives if there is no problem, when there really is a problem. The truth is my sin, listen to this, because this is one of the most important things that I could mention today. And my admitting to my sin, or to my war, or to my issue, it might be the greatest help of freedom for me. But in reality, it could also be the greatest help of freedom for someone else that could relate to my pain. If I don't share that with others, how will I ever say we battle together and we make war? A community, a church, a faith community is so important. So as I end, who is your community? As I end, who is your company? Who cries when you cry? You have anyone that cries with you? you don't find someone that cries with you who rejoices when you rejoice Ecclesiastes 4 9 through 12 two people are better than one for they help the other succeed if one person falls the other one reaches out and helps but someone who falls alone is in real trouble likewise two people lay close and they keep each other warm but how can one be warm alone a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated but two can stand back to back and conquer and if you add a third one it's even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken we need community we need to be together and together with Christ Psalm 133 1, 2, and 3 says, Psalm 133 says, How wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. <laughs> Not just come together. Because I've seen some people come together and they hate each other. I'm talking about get along. <laughs> it's a costly anointing oil flowing down. Notice, costly. Flowing down the beard. Why do you think I'm letting my beard grow, man? I want, I want to flow oil through it. Flowing down from Aaron's beard, flowing down the collar of his priestly robes. It's like the dew of Mount Hermon flowing down the slopes of Zion. Yes, that's where God commands the blessing, ordains eternal life. We need each other. We need each other. How many of you can say we need each other? I'm going to ask you to stand with me and we're done. We're going to share a testimony, but I feel like We'll share it tomorrow, um, next Sunday before the message. It's an amazing testimony that my brother's going to share, and I want you guys to hear it. But you know what? Come back next Sunday, and don't miss the testimony that we're going to share. It has to do with this word, but come next Sunday.
But I love that Paul tells Timothy, right? I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've remained faithful. Fight, race, first place, last place, battles, trip-ups. That's life. It's a battle. It's a, it's a race. It's a fight. It's a struggle. But I love that he says, I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Did you notice he didn't even tell you that he placed first place? Hey, I'm sorry if anyone ever told you that you need to get first place. That's such a lie, biblical. Christ already got first place. All you need to do is finish. Finish the race. You don't have to place. God already placed. He sits on his throne. You just got to finish. Fight the good fight of faith. 2 Timothy says, chapter 6, verse 12, take hold of eternal life to which you were called. Exodus 14, 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 1.18 says, And I charge you, my young son Timothy, according to the prophecies that were previously made to you, that by them you may wage war in this good warfare. Welcome to our war. Welcome to our nest where we make war and we battle and we fight together because we need one another because there is a spiritual realm that is attacking our physical reality and we need one another. How many of you could say amen? Give God some praise. Serves it. Lord, we thank you today. The truth is, Lord, if I say, well, who's in war? Who's in a struggle? Uh, the whole altar would be filled. But Lord, I pray as we close off today, if there's someone here that heard this, and they're part of this church, that they could say, man, I know what I need to do next. I need to talk about some serious things. I need to wage war with some people. I need to battle alongside some people. I, I just got to do this already for my own good and for the good of the others. I just got to come before the presence of the Lord once and for all already. If that's you, man, make that decision today. Make that decision right there where you're at. Don't hold back. Don't leave here like if there is no problem. Make it today. Get plugged in today and begin this process of making war and battling with each other. Deep divine fellowship. Deep divine fellowship. Deep divine fellowship. If you feel like you can't and you're about to erupt, you just need to come up to the altar and you just got to pray. If you really just need someone just to put their arm around you and hug you and love you and believe with you. Listen, we'll sing a song real quick. And, and, and if that's you, you can come. I invite you to come up and get on your knees. But, but this message was for me. And I'm sure this message was for everyone that's here. But if today, if you say, I, I know that you're saying this message is for everyone, but I just need someone right now. So I'm, I'm willing to, to open up my book, my can of worms right now. Watch this. And, and you want to come up here, by all means, come up. I'll tell you what, you open up the can of worms, someone's going to get right next to you and open up theirs with you and love you. So let's worship. Let's cry out to the Lord, we come before your presence where my help comes from. Open up your hearts, church.
And in a second, my brother's going to come up and close the service. But open up your heart. So 